welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to MSP 1337. I am joined this week by Matt Topper of ConnectWise. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. We have brainstormed for a whopping 20 minutes as to what we should talk about in this episode. And we are titling this episode, If I Had No Tools, Could I Still Achieve a Cybersecurity Maturity Posture that is on par with, or at least maturing in the direction of and I totally just rambled words together there because I'm like completely <laughs> lost in what I just said. But but can a solution provider show a cybersecurity maturity posture and have no tools? Go. Not that you have to answer the whole thing, but go. Because you said yes. I think the answer is yes. And the reason I think the answer is yes is that so many of the security wins come in the form of mindset and process and policy and procedure. And uh, I know it's a little dirty word in the industry sometimes, but governance, right? A, a lot of these factors come in and the tool becomes the vehicle to implement or enforce whatever is developed or thought about prior to that. And, and They're so almost like a... They're almost like our auditor, if you will, like, hey, I, I'm doing all of these things and then we might implement a tool or a technology or service that kind of says, yeah, I'm not so sure you got this right because this is what we found. Yeah, right. So so take um, MFA, for example. Yes, MFA is a tool. It's a technology. But if you look at it from a higher level, it's just a way to satisfy the requirement of strong identification and authorization. Right. I mean, if we if we took technology out of the equation and were to apply this to more of a physical uh, in-person model, it's like there's a reason why most front doors have what they call the, the, the people or the security window that allows you to say who actually is at my door versus uh, someone knocked, therefore I open it because I'm expecting an Amazon package, not the guy with something stuck in my face that says, give me all your money. Right. Right. And, and in the door example, you know, the conventional <clears throat> mechanism to achieve this is a lock and a key. Right. But all, all we really are saying when you're talking about your maturity is, do I have a way to prevent the door from being open? Not do I have a lock? Right. It's funny. you We're going down this door metaphor, <laughs> if you will. I had to replace a door uh, on our garage and the door had just deteriorated over time. It's my house was built in the seventies. So like it's a, it's a door that gets a lot of weather. And so disassembly of the door, relatively easy. Uh, I went to take the, the door frame out, which uh, everybody can relate to. And I'm thinking this is where it's going to get complicated. And so if you ever have bought a door, you know, that the screws that they provide, the security screws, where the mm -hmm. actual lock mechanism is, are usually like three or four inch long screws. They're, they're not little tiny screws that are going to go into your door <clears> frame. They're huge, right? So that it can't just take that steel plate and just break it loose. I go to take that that I have, and I have the door with like these little tiny screws. In fact, 
three of the screws came out and I realized that they actually didn't go through beyond the frame of the door. So like if you had hit this door hard <laughs> enough, even the hinges, like if you'd hit the door hard enough, you could have just knocked the entire frame outside of the wall of my house. There was no real, it, it was an illusion of security. Um, which, which brings me to like this idea. I mean, to your point, can we have security without having technology? And, and obviously we were already establishing that there's a yes to this. So this kind of comes back to what is, what is, and you've heard Wayne say this too, like, you know, we got to focus on the risk and the dirty words like governance and, and all that. And at the really at the end of the day, if our organization is working together in harmony on what is best for our organization from a security standpoint, then what we're looking to solve for has nothing to do with the tools that might support that security. But really yeah. we're looking at what is it that we need to protect? You know, that that's a great way to put it. And in some cases, we almost get these blinders on when it comes to the technology and start thinking about the technology as the ultimate asset we're protecting. That's right? because it's shiny. Right? It's shiny. It's fun. You Even know, when but, it's not fun, it's shiny. Who wants to talk about what you and I are going to do with regards to policy and procedure when we can talk about, have you seen what just came out from fill-in-the-blank vendor? Right. Have you seen this cool volume that somebody might be exploiting? That's, That's fun. Right. That's right. It, you know, but if you, you start thinking about it at a slightly – higher level is almost the wrong term because it sounds like – the technology is lower, but but think about it in terms of business functions, right? That's what sure. we're ultimately protecting. It's the ability to do to service a customer order or ship a product rather than the server or the application or what have you that enables doing that. And and we as practitioners sometimes get so caught up in the, you know, protect the server at all costs. And, and it, it helps sometimes to back away from that and to think about at, at the end of the day, as a business, I need to continue to ship product and I need to continue to take orders. And what do I need in place to be able to do that? Um, Almost the operational efficiency or, or product, product output, productivity outcome that says uh, our job in, in thinking through a security model isn't what can we do to prevent necessarily bad things from happen happening, but more of what are we doing to ensure that we continue to say ship product? Exactly. Right. The, the bad things that happen if you start getting into um, threat modeling and comprehensive you know, risk assessment, you'll, you'll be sitting there for weeks coming up with every conceivable thing that could go wrong. And, and there's, there, there's value in that, right? It, it's not, it's not that we're up here saying that it's a completely fruitless exercise. At some point, you do have to get down into the weeds of tech. But remembering that all of this is just a vehicle toward business outcomes helps to frame it in the right way to remember what you're protecting in the first place. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to navigate and address what happens if there's an interruption to service. Like if we walk back in time before we started talking about ransomware and all these B word type scenarios, it was what happens if tornado rips through my building? What happens if uh, I was sick that day and I'm the only one that knows how mm -hmm. to put stamps on envelopes? I mean, this doesn't even have to be about technology, right? Like, exactly, right? It's, um, <clears throat> think of it in terms of business resilience or business continuity and, and, 
for some reason, I, I don't want to say for some reason, but we tend to think of it in terms of technology continuity or technology resilience. And it, it's important, right? It's a factor in business continuity, but it's not sure. the same thing. Well, you said we're, we're, I get where you're, where you're going with that. I mean, we, we tend to say, you know, someday technology will solve for this. And it's like someday the, the world will still shift and it will still be that we're at 65 to 70% of solving <laughs> for, and it hasn't really moved the needle. It's just changed uh, maybe the efficiencies or being able to solve with less resources, but the percentage of what's actually being addressed. I, I don't know that in our lifetimes, we will see that that's significant of a change. I want to go back to what you said about, um, and, and not trivializing it, you know, looking at this from like the 100,000 foot level or the 10,000 foot level or, you know, being in the weeds. And I think that if if we wander, wander back to how this conversation started about can we solve for without technology? Well, if I am looking at this through the blades of grass or the trees or what appears to be a jungle, I cannot even remotely wrap my head around the overall organization as a whole and what it is that I'm actually thinking about protecting, right? So I want to go back and say at the 100,000 foot level, I, I can see essentially the, the footprint that is my organization and I can see all of the touch points with our clients, with, with our vendors. I can see all of that. I think we don't have a good trajectory in the solution provider space where we're like, hey, today's Tuesday. Let's climb the tower to the 100,000 foot view and look at, are we still focused on protecting and, and ensuring that, the, that we are preventing the interruption of service to all of those things versus to your point, I am in the weeds going, hey, my server's protected, awesome. We haven't had a problem with server ever. And you're so focused on how well it's protected that you're not even looking at the fact that we don't close the door anymore. I mean, I I think 100,000 foot level is a view that largely in the solution provider space is totally ignored. I, I would agree with that. And I think the way to start trying to incorporate that is to start tying technical objectives to business functions and objectives. So when you're thinking about your server and, and right, if you're doing a configuration or thinking about backup software or whatever, sure. um, how does whatever change I'm about to make impact the ability to carry out the ultimate high level business function? And if when making that change or purchasing that product or whatever, the answer is it doesn't or you don't know, then consider whether you're doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, as a security professional, you you and I talked about this before. You have in in your uh, title, and and this is common amongst security professionals when you achieve some of these certifications that we talked about how it taints or skews a viewpoint tied to that certification. And I think that you know you have the CISP certification and SISM certification for those of you. That are that are listening to the show, those are really getting into at, at a very high level, business level, uh, a look through the lens of as we talk about what we are today, the it comes up all the time. It's the CIA, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and accessibility, or uh, is it accessibility? Availability. Or, availability thank you. 
Um, I sometimes interchange those because uh, availability and accessibility aren't necessarily the same thing, right? Like, can I get to it is not the same thing as it's available <laughs> when that wall gets removed from the equation, right? Like right. Uh, encrypted data is is accessible, but the data itself is not really available, um, or at least not until I get the key. <laughs> but I, I think that one of the pieces that I, I have learned over the years that makes the CIA so critical to this conversation, in fact, I'd even throw into the triangle, which is often not shown, is the the look at the triangle through a different lens. People process technology and then put data in the center. So now you have a triangle with a triangle inside it. That triangle that's inside is the confidentiality, uh, integrity, and availability. So as you look to improve the posture of your organization, the question should, in my opinion, be asked all the time. Will I maintain the triad in what I'm about to implement and what could potentially be compromised in the idea behind my process procedure? Like the all of those things, like if I can't stay within the triangle, then I am failing. So if I encrypt it and now I can't decrypt it, fail, right? Like, right. Is that what right. is that what you're seeing? Like, I, I feel like I want to. I don't even know how to do this well in, in my current role. Like I want to beat people hard over the brow and say, look, stop. The technology is a super important part of this process. But if you start there, you have no way of guaranteeing or even, even knowing if you are even on the right trajectory with what tool you've selected. So I have a two-part answer to this. One is with the triad, the unfortunate reality is that the C confidentiality is the cool and fun part, right? Right. Protecting things and sure. security systems and tools are fun. Um, and it's just, the, that's the reality. But to your other point and to your larger point is take the CIA triad and instead of applying it only to individual systems, apply it to functions, right? So going back to our like example that. with shipping the product, what could disrupt CIA of shipping or of taking an order? And one of those things is the server going down. One of those things might be the building or warehouse burning down. And think of it from that perspective. So you like, uh, you mean, it, think about it without technology being in the <laughs> equation, like the right? whole premise of this episode? Right? <clears throat> yeah, there's okay, more. So part two, now. what's part two or was that part two? That was part two. Part one is, just, is that we've kind of, um, one, that C is too cool, and two, that the A availability kind of just drops out of the triangle in a lot of cases. It's the, the forgotten part of CIA, or well, it's thought of only as backups. Got it. And and so to your point, um, we also are, are saying that to do the triad, we're using technology to solve for it, right? Regardless of how people, process, procedure fit into that, we emphasize and, and get lost in the weeds on, I bought this MDM or this EDR or XDR. And I love the acronyms because it's fun to just go and digress down the rabbit hole. Question mark DR. Yeah, right. <laughs> on both sides of the acronym, right? <laughs> like at the front and at the It is no longer even in English. We put an upside down question mark to really uh, get our point <laughs> across. Um this this is a this is an interesting segue to you know like we're you know I think we've kind of it's like the the tipping point like we have spent 15 minutes literally talking about how to solve for what is 
all about protecting data, protecting information. Um, what is it that we need to do in our process, in our function in order to do that well, which kind of lends us to, okay, like let's, let's incorporate now the, the evaluation of tools and technology. So we are in agreement hundred percent that an organization can improve their posture in the cybersecurity space and do well, but like heaven help us all if that's like ends up being how we end up living, knowing full well that technology probably can solve for a 65% of our overall cybersecurity posture is in fact solved probably by technology. It, that's a, a reasonable assumption based on this is 2023, not you know, 20, 2001, when yeah. uh, we struggled with operating systems functioning, let alone uh, being able to secure them. Um, you hear this from time to time, the, the solution provider says, oh yeah, that's uh, productivity ser production service. We don't put antivirus on them. Uh, we only patch them annually. And if you so happen to turn that server off, it will not turn back on. You're like, awesome. Like that's, this is 2023. Let's hope that's yeah. not the case. <laughs> yeah. Those, those um, days are yeah, what 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 Hopefully. server system are you supporting with your client? Please don't tell me it's healthcare because uh, yeah, yeah, I digress. <laughs> but now when we're talking about the technology side of this, I think I think this goes back to we talked about a couple things here: climbing the tower and seeing that hundred thousand foot view. Uh, we talked about the triad and thinking about not just the the information flow, but like the fact that this is also about availability and not just technology. So as we shift gears and go, okay. The, the the blindfold is off. Let's also incorporate technology into this mindset of cybersecurity maturity. Now what, Matt? Like today, like like what should that look like for a solution provider that says, hey, I want to mature in the cybersecurity posture space. And I was really bored for the first half of this episode because <laughs> you really didn't give me any shiny objects to choose from. So like uh, now that I know you're shifting gears, I'm tuning back in. You know, how do we keep this balance in place and and really more of a, um, for lack of a better word, what is my spot check or my, you know, accountability partner, my whatever you want to call it, uh, that gives me a reality check to say, Chris, um, yeah, technology is shiny and cool and, and maybe it's solving all those things you say it is, but be careful. And so here's how you should approach what are those tech technologies that you're wanting to put in place, those services, those third-party engagements that take some of that responsibility or or uh, risk off of you and, and transfers it somewhere else? So I, I think we mentioned it in, in that if we take the idea of the triad and apply it to cascading dependencies, you start to get a picture of what it makes sense to protect and how to do it, right? So we've been using the, the somewhat trivial example of uh, shipping product or taking orders. To do that in the real world, you know, unless you're in some kind of DR scenario, you're doing that on some kind of server, right? Or some kind of web application or what have you. And you take the initial analysis you did to the process and then start applying the same analysis to the dependencies. And so to the server, you start thinking about, okay, what could disrupt the availability or the confidentiality of this server? And it's not just someone could break into it, it's the ISP could go down, the data center could burn up, the could be a Windows update error that destroys the disk, whatever. 
And as you think about potential disruptors, and this is where the engineering and technical expertise comes in, you need to know enough about the technology that you're running to be able to start to enumerate potential threats to it. That, that's where the tech comes back in, right? So if you don't know how a server works, sure. um, you don't know that a bad database query could blow something up or a bad Windows update or, or whatever the specifics are, and then think about the potential mitigations from that, and, right? So, so having you know a security tool, an EDR, or whatever DR happens to be popular today, isn't there just because that that's part of having a server? It's there because uh, malware or ransomware on the server could disrupt um, any of the CIA legs. I feel like we're largely spoiled. Um, as solution providers in in the collective universe that we largely function in. And I'm not saying that this is all solution providers, but when you start talking about operational technology, you start thinking about like critical infrastructure, water, you know, uh, hydroelectric plants, uh, wind turbines, mm. uh, even just HVAC systems that are now controlled by, uh, you know, an echo dot or something as simple as that at the residential level what are the ramifications of technology running rampant and the impact that that has? I mean, we all understand the server fails and a solution provider is doing a good job. You know, we can stand up a second server and restore from backups, right? We, we have uh, a whole lot less um, burden of proof to say, like, if bad things are happening, I, I know we can recover versus... right. So we used to have, you know, wheat or whatever the crop is growing just fine, but someone managed to screw up. The dam was opened up and now what used to be fields of grain is now a swimming pool. I mean, like, right? Like, are, are am I off on this? No, you're, I... you're completely right. So so take this back to something we talked about um, very, very early, which is if you are working with that type of environment, like a critical infrastructure environment, then the idea of lowering the maturity of a risk assessment doesn't make sense. That's when you do need to get into the arduous yeah. NIST style risk assessment that takes six months because uh, there, there's real and more severe risks there. It's like you can't do enough tabletop exercises in that scenario because you haven't accounted for all scenarios and you never will but by continuing to do them over and over again you establish a pattern of how to respond to what is an unknown and you stay calm you don't panic right like those are the things that have to right. happen right. so th this is where technology comes into play too right so if i think about like an alerting system false positive or otherwise I have a limited window of taking action before no matter what I do, it's too late. And what that timeline is, is going to be unique probably to most organizations. But what's interesting is it's not so much the timeline to response. It's do the involved parties all know who is actually involved to respond because that tends to be where the breakdown actually happens. Not whether it's 15 mm -hmm. minutes or five hours. It's like, Hey, Chris was tier two, tier two didn't answer. And so it stalled out. We never got to tier three, whether it was 15 minute response time or two day response time, it just didn't happen because we removed a key component to that communication process. Yeah. And it goes to, you know, based on the, the value of what you're protecting, um, do you need 24-7 coverage? Do you have 
budget and is it warranted to spend for doubling your security response staff for the, you know, can you afford to have some um, potential missed uh, issues or is this so critical that you need to go and investigate every single alert, even though a few of them are um, going to pan out to be anything actionable or where uh, remediation is required, but the asset is so important that it's worth it, right? Like in our critical infrastructure example, there's there's almost no way to spend too much on that. Well, fair. So this kind of gets into, um, as, we're, as we're getting near the end here, this kind of makes me think about the, the analogy of the fence, right? So if you put a fence around your yard, is that to keep things out or to uh, keep things in? Oh, it right? depends on what's in the yard. Also true, but the but that's but for an outside observer who has no idea why the fence was built, has no way of knowing which one is true, right? So it and it could be both, right? Like it could be yeah. like we got to keep X in, but we're also keeping X out. So like this fence is serving dual purposes. This is a great fence, right? Um, like you think about like an electric fence that you can obviously see through or an invisible fence, like that's a whole different can of worms, right? We can know that that is created so that whatever animal that you happen to have as a pet, you know, social, emotional right. pet, whatever right. it might be, service animal that, you know, an alligator, uh, those work great with electric fences. Um, but along those lines, right? Like, so this is a perfect example of what is the goal that you're solving for? Because as you said, if, if the data that we're protecting isn't all created equal, then the cost associated with protecting that data is also not created equal, which means that when we get those excuses that says, I'm going to go with the insurance, not the firewall, because I can't afford the firewall. It's like, well, what are you trying to build? A fence to encompass your entire yard or a fence to encompass maybe one small thing like the utility box that controls the electrical grid for the entire neighborhood. Like that probably needs to be fenced in or at least locked versus I've put a fence around my yard and or a fence around the entire neighborhood. Um, we all know if you're buying panels at Lowe's for your fence, those get expensive real fast. And if you only needed four panels to protect the electrical box right, right. versus 400 panels to go around the entire neighborhood, um, you can see real, and I, I understand like my analogy just went way too big for what we're talking about. But the point is like the cost associated with putting, uh, fence panels up to encompass the, the utility or electrical, um, box, uh, that, that real quickly is, is, is something that an organization can think through, right? Like I need cameras on, on my house. Well, what do I need cameras for? If someone's breaking into my house, what are the prime target locations that they're going to use? Front door, other door, like doors are really convenient for the threat actors, right? If they know it's a door, they're going to try it. Then maybe windows, right? Like, so start with where you have money, right? So like, if you only have enough money for say two cameras, I probably wouldn't randomly pick two windows to put cameras on, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's to your point, right? Like stop trying to solve for everything, and take a, a, a time out and start thinking through, like, what are we actually solving for? Does it even need technology to fully satisfy what we're trying to protect? Yeah. What, you know, what are you protecting and what are you protecting against? Uh, I, I don't remember where I said it, but it was, I made the analogy that we're protecting against increasingly complex and unlikely scenarios in some cases. And sure. if you start thinking about impact and likelihood, 
um, it really doesn't make sense to, um, unless maybe you're in the position where you've covered literally everything else, to start getting into these um, crazy complex scenarios you come up with and saying, I need to spend money to protect against that when the door is wide open or yeah. some other lower hanging fruit. And, and when it comes to insurance, right, the, the question is, um, what is significant enough to warrant making a claim and then sure. having the premiums quadruple right afterwards? Right. right? It, this... it only works the first time. Right. So this morning we had a conversation. We were talking about, you know, have you ever gotten the email from some white hat hacker who says, hey, I noticed that there's a vulnerability on your website. Then this is the vulnerability. Hey, I, I would love a donation, um, you know, for my kindness to tell you that this is vulnerable. And it's not necessarily that they're wrong, but it raises the question like, okay, but my website, what would happen if it was offline? If there's not a lot there, I mean, like, is there reputation management that I need to be concerned about? Because if there's not, the the effort to go and fix that's probably not very high. And I, and I think that's, I think what we're trying to solve for today is like, look, everybody who's listening to this, we all have plenty of technology stacks that we're trying to mm -hmm. juggle all the time. Is that where that energy needs to be spent as we think through uh, governance, risk compliance, you know, and, and the people part of this, right? People process procedure, right? People process, I mean, you can say people process product, whatever. Yeah. Um, people process technology so that we can, don't use the three, you know, anyways, I, I digress. But, but to your point and kind of what we've been kind of the theme of this is technology is important. It eliminates a lot of the people part for a large percentage of what security needs to be within your organization and improve your maturity. But the 35% that it doesn't solve for is far more critical and has a lot more dollars. Uh, you know, the dollar signs are much lower when that 35% is addressed well, because as you move into the technology, now you're protecting for what's important, not protecting just because you have the tool. Yeah, right. So so thinking about the relative importance of the assets you're protecting, you know, a great example is if you're an MSP and your website is compromised, that's bad. But if your RMN gets compromised, that's catastrophic. And, and if you think about not all assets and not all data and not all systems are created equal, and it, it is certainly worth it if you haven't, as an MSP, gone through some kind of criticality assessment to figure out where your buckets are, what's most important, right? Some are, are completely obvious, right? The, the website versus RMM comparison, but but others take some real decisions. And when you're faced with the, where can I spend my security budget? It's good to know that ahead of time. Right, because licensing is not free in most cases. So if it's not a critical asset, does it also need that same level of, of layered security protections on it? Yeah, or your policies might be different, right? You might have a Absolutely. policy that says, I, you know, uh, level medium or above criticality has to have SSO. And if it's a low one, you might be able to make a compliance exception. It'll depend on the circumstances. Um, but, but think that through. Uh, and SSO is a great example in that um, you might decide we don't need to pay the SSO tax on this application because it's some, you know, internal employee bonus system thing or something, right? If it gets compromised, not super critical. Sure. Um, 
this other one, yes, we do need to pay it, even if it costs twice as much. Well, this now gets into all of our clients are uniquely snowflakes, right? So uh, you have a similar situation that you have to account for as well. So you may also find that a compensating control achieves the same level of security because you've air gapped or you've siloed or, you know, any number of things. And I, I think that's important too, because again, mm-hmm. we're not all cis certified thinking of like, Hey, if I have 5,000 employees and I have an unlimited budget and security is paramount and, and, and then, yeah, that's a whole different model. And where we have leverage to negotiate prices down, et cetera, versus I'm the three man shop. I have, you know, a client that has 20 workstations and the reality is only five of them are critical. So can right. they be separated out? Can they put on a separate VLAN, whatever it might be? I I don't think we do enough in that regard because it's complicated, right? Like MSPs have better things to do with their time than try to like figure out how to get the scalpel out and save money both for their clients and themselves. When if you can keep your margins the same and get all your clients to buy the entire stack, you're back to painting with that really large roller. And as long as you can keep the paint, maintain the paint uh, volume and, and cover the wall, I mean, why not? Yeah, it's fair. I think it comes uh, into when you start getting into what protections you can afford. And so if if you have the ultimate stack, right, whatever you think that the perfect set of tools is, um, if you can get every client to buy it, then, hey, awesome. That's Um, a pretty low risk model, right? Right. You're you're in good shape. If not, uh, or at least you're in good shape from the technology standpoint. Sure, sure. But if not, then you start getting into these conversations, right? Um, What set of things you client do you really, really need to protect, right? Like you're- Right. And we should be having those conversations regardless of how big of a roller we might be able to get away with using, right? Because if something does happen, technology aside, our policy process procedure is not dialed in well enough, then what? Right. Like, cause just because we've solved for everything on the technology front still doesn't solve for the, the people process, that part that's so easily uh, ignored, avoided at all costs. But we know this from a documentation standpoint, products like it glue wouldn't exist. If mm-hmm. MSPs were mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're amazing at documentation. I always use the times new Roman. I do bolded for my headers. Like that's not the reality, right? Like I'm just waiting for the next vendor to roll out. Hey, we've got AI, documentation and by leveraging chat GPT, you wouldn't believe what we've come up with. And you don't even have to get up in the morning and go to work because now it's handling <laughs> all of that process too, right? Like every MSP would, we'd have MSPs just coming out of the woodwork, right? Um, so it, go ahead. It, it goes back to the conversation we were having before with the the A part of the triad being less interesting in some yep. cases. And that if you're having that type of criticality assessment, it's not just for confidentiality right and, and so yeah. if you're getting your clients to think about let's say my building burned down or all of my systems yeah. are offline what is most critical to bring back upline first and think about that before the disaster strikes sure so uh we are running out of time and almost out of time so i want to i'll take a second to say hey if you're not planning to attend um too bad for you but in a week we will be at CCF in Chicago, uh, starts March 14. And one of the things that's being announced is the new CompTIA Cybersecurity Trustmark, which within its controls and safeguards, 
kind of gets into a lot of what we're talking about. In fact, the first domain that we encourage solution providers to look at is governance and leadership, which kind of goes hand in hand with today's conversation. The other piece that I'll share uh, for those of you that are thinking about attending, uh, former colleague and coworker of Matt Topper is Matt Lee, That's not, who's now with Pax8. He and I are going to go uh, tit for tat and duke it out at a tabletop exercise or fireside chat that says he's right and Chris is wrong. So we already know that Matt will probably win out on that, but he is approaching the yellow brick road model. I am saying it's the shoots and ladder model. I will leave it at that. And I hope to see you all next week. Matt Topper, thank you so much today for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on MSP 30, 1337. For the rest of you, thanks and have a great week.